Just a side note, you might want to bring your Bible because we kind of look at it when we come. So it's a good idea. All right, we're going to look at Luke chapter 13, and we're going to read all the way to 34. I know it's a long passage, but it's a good one. And so I'm going to read a verse, and then I want you all to read a verse, and we're just going to switch off like that. Sound good? Okay, sound good? Yes. All right. We're going to start with verse 13. Remember, we're ending with 34. Luke chapter 24. Verse 13. Luke 24. Luke is in the New Testament. Third. All right. Here we go. That very day, two of them, and I'm reading from the ESV. If you have a different version, it's all good. Just read your version. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all people. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with, oh, no, yes, who were with them gathered together. Then they told him what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Amen. I want you guys to look at one verse in particular. Let's look at verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. How many of you guys ever had expectations that were never met? Mm -hmm. Some of y'all just shot that up there real fast. Like, "Mm." all right, okay. How many of you guys feel like you didn't fulfill an expectation someone had for yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, is it a fun thing when your expectations aren't met? Usually the experience, the feeling that we get is disappointment, hurt. Sometimes we even stay bitter at the fact that our expectation wasn't met. I don't know what kind of expectation you have about being here in Korea. Some majority of you are exchange students. Some of you guys are UIC kids. We have you for four years. Yes. See? I like that. And still, you're still wrapping your mind on, what am I supposed to expect 
out of my time in Korea. Now, you got to understand what was happening here in the scriptures. Here you see two disciples. They're not just random people. These are disciples. What that means are these are people that live their life following Jesus, following the teachings of Jesus, following Jesus around everywhere he went, watching Jesus do miracles, watching Jesus feed the multitudes with just a little bit of fish and a little bit of bread. These are people that knew Jesus. And they were walking in disappointment. See, they had hopes. In fact, these two aren't the only disciples that had put their hope in Jesus. But all of the disciples, in fact, put their hope in Jesus and thought that he was the man. He was going to do it. He was going to redeem Israel. And all of a sudden, homeboy gets killed. Can you imagine You know, to be a disciple, it wasn't an easy thing to do. Many of them left their families. Many of them left their jobs. Many of them left comfort to follow who Jesus was. And they put their hope in him. They followed him because they truly believed at the end of the day, man, this was going to be the man. He was going to be our Barack Obama. He was going to be the one that was going to lead our country into victory, or Israel at the time in victory. They put their hope in him. And he died. So you can imagine how tense it must have been, just the two of them. How foolish they might have felt. Now I feel dumb. Man, it's been like three years and we've been following this guy around and he said he was going to be the one. I think, I, did. I think he did. And he died. Their expectations, their hope completely fell to the ground. You guys ever had that? You ever put your hope in somebody? Somebody that you thought, man, this person, they're going to be the one. They're going to be the one. Now, I don't want to talk about my past relationships. Because that, that would just take all night, okay? But you got to understand that the reason why I'm standing here today is because I was once a very disappointed person. I felt pretty much like that person walking down Emmaus Road, Hopeless, disappointed, delusioned about life because I put my hope in people and I felt severely disappointed. You know, I'm not standing here as one who directs this ministry because I am oh so perfect. Man, the more you guys get to know me, the more shocked you'll be about the person that I used to be. I mean, I just went home recently to the States, and I found, I was telling some of our leaders this, and I found my little bag, and this bag was precious to me in college. It was like what the Bible is to me today. And it was a little bootleg Gucci bag. Don't judge me, all right? Y'all ain't. Okay, bootleg Gucci, but it said Gucci. It didn't say Poochie. It said Gucci, okay? And it was this little handbag, and inside the zipper was like my go-to how I find peace in life. And I, I couldn't believe that it still was in my house. And I almost was freaking out a little bit because I was nervous that it was still there. But I was sitting there at home, and I decided to unzip that. And I was like, no way. This can't be the bag. And as soon as I opened, the smell hits me. And I'm like, uh-oh, it is. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I lift up a pair of tweezers. I'm like, okay. I lift up a pair of tiny little scissors. And I was like, all right. And I lift up a little empty little Ziploc bag about yay big. 
And I had a, I had a little bit of, it looked like stems from a tree. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Okay. A bag like this big. All right. And then I pulled in and then I found a Ziploc bag that was way bigger than that bag. <laughs> and then I reached in and I found what I used to call my half pipe. It's my beloved baby. Okay. It's basically, I was a pothead. That's what I'm trying to say in this illustration. All right. I was a huge pothead. Me leading college ministry makes absolutely no sense whatsoever because I never went to college ministry when I was in college. I was pretty much the person that your college ministry directors was like, mm, don't be chilling with her. Mm-mm. Stay away. She's bad news. I was that person. That was just me. And I was doing things outside of church because I was disappointed in church. I got saved when I was in sixth grade. It made no sense for me to be living outside of my lifestyle with Jesus. Why wouldn't I be going to church? Why wouldn't I be passionate about Jesus, reading my Bible, going to small group like a good Christian should? Why wasn't I doing those things? Well, along the way, I was severely disappointed, not just by my pastors, not just by my parents, but even by my friends in the church. Aren't they supposed to be perfect? And so I walked into college thinking, you know what? Forget this. I tried that, didn't work, and so I'm going to try my own thing. So that's where my life was at my freshman year of college. I was disappointed. My hope in church, my hope in God wasn't there anymore. Some of you guys sitting here can understand what I'm saying. You put your hope in the church thing. Some of y'all were even like youth group presidents, you know, and the worship team leader. And you did all the camps that you needed to do, you know, for children's camps at your church. But still, when you stand here today, you're not really sure about who Jesus is to you. You know, when I was in youth group, man, I was in sixth grade and I could not wait to be part of youth group. Y'all don't understand. I was in children's ministry for a long time and I would just look at the youth group and I'd be like, I belong there because them babies, you know, they're just too young for me and I shouldn't be singing these songs with motions to them. I want to be in that room with the, with the cool Anni and Opadar, the big sisters and big brothers. And I just couldn't wait till I turned 12 years old so I can make my way into the room across the church, which was the youth group room. And so I was so excited. And I stepped into youth group. And man, I remember I used to try to go into youth group before I could go. And I always got kicked out. You know what I'm saying? I'm like in the back and I'm like, one way, gee. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you and the children's ministry. I was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm older. Man, but that's not the disappointment I'm talking about. All right. So I walked in youth group thinking youth group is going to be the bomb. Like everybody in youth group is so cool, so amazing. And I looked up to everybody. I remember just sitting in the bathroom watching all the unneeded just do their makeup. And I just sit there like, wow. I had an older brother, so I don't really see that. And I'm just like, how does that happen? You know, and I was so intrigued. I admired so much, you know, these older brothers and sisters. And I really wanted to be like them. I remember the first retreat I ever went to as a youth group Um, person, child, no, tween, youth, (laughs) just what Justin Bieber was. No, um, you know, that awkward age. Um, I remember the first retreat I went to, it was a camping trip and it was like one of the best memories I have of camping. 
And we just all went as a youth group. We camped. We pitched tents. We cooked breakfast, lunch, dinner. We all had teams. We, it was just amazing. And I had this awesome youth group pastor at the time. And he was kind of like a grizzly bear because, like, he had, like, he was Korean. And he had facial hair, like, all, it was awesome. You know, it was just, like, all over here. And he had this gorgeous wife and two beautiful children, really young kids. And I just, I loved that family. And I just loved youth group. And we were doing, you know, all these games. And we did all these the hiking. I don't like the hiking part. But, you know, that was kind of fun, too. And all this stuff. And I was just looking up to everybody. And I just remember that trip thinking, man, youth group is so amazing. This is what fellowship is really about. I got saved when I was in sixth grade through youth group, through a retreat. I went to church my whole life. I got basically got birthed into the church. I'm sorry, that was a little bit illustrative. Anyway, but I got birthed into the church. But I really didn't understand who Jesus was and what he did for me until I was in sixth grade. And I remember just hearing that song, The Nails in Your Hands. You know that song, Nail in Your Feet. (laughs) And I got him like, dang, Jesus died on the cross for me. It was at that age. And I was just, as soon as I got saved, I was really genuinely passionate about God. I tried starting a Christian club in my middle school. Yeah, I know. You know? And, you know, I was trying to be, like, you know, all churchified and, like, don't curse. You know? Because that's not what you're supposed to do. And, you know, but there was, as much as there was a really annoying side of me back then, there was also sincere, just desire to please God. It was there. And I remember just really putting my hope in in God during that time. Putting my hope in the church and putting my hope in my pastor. I remember one day I walked into church and one of my unneeders, she pulled me aside and she goes, you got to read this. And she throws me a newspaper article. And I read the article and I see a picture of my church in the article. I'm like, what? And I began to read the article. All of a sudden, I find out that my youth group pastor got arrested for statutory rape. Now, the story goes, he actually had an affair on his gorgeous wife with one of my fellow youth group members who was younger than 18. Can you imagine me, sixth grade, on fire for God, just gave my life to the Lord, and I'm looking at this newspaper, and this man that was supposed to be my shepherd, his name is in the newspaper with my church's picture? And I'm thinking, what the heck? Isn't he crazy? I just, I didn't understand what could possess him to do such a thing. I can't remember everything that happened, but I do remember about 80% of my youth group left. And about half the adult congregation left as well. Because nobody wants their youth group, youth child, to be in a ministry where something like that happened. But my father, he was one of the elders that helped found the church. And so pretty much we had to stay. And I would walk into youth group and there'd be like two other people. And we're like, hey, what's up? You know, and that kid that was across the hall who couldn't wait to be in youth group, all of a sudden was like, what am I doing here? This is ridiculous. I was so confused. I was so confused. But really deep down, I was really hurt. I was disappointed. And I started thinking, man, I don't know about this church thing. Because homie ain't right. He, that was, that was my unnie. She's so young. 
And he, he got with her? I was so, so confused. You know, I'll share a little bit more about what happened after. But basically, that's just an example of the many examples I can give you where I felt like, man, I put my hope in this and it's just getting crushed. And rather than realizing that I was putting my hope in youth group or putting my hope in a leader, rather than putting my hope in God, I began to really accuse God of not being there. How could God allow such a thing to happen? Why would he let that happen? And I just began to get more and more and more and more confused. Have you ever been disappointed? Have you ever been disappointed with a leader in your church? Have you ever been disappointed with your best friend from church? The girl that used to raise her hands right next to you. Cry every song. Backstabbing you after church. You're like, what is up with that? Disappointment. Mm-hmm, that's what I'm saying. Mm-mm. No, she didn't meet me in the park. No, I'm just, it's not me anymore. It's not me. You know, here are these disciples and they genuinely believed that Jesus was going to save them. You got to understand what Israel was going through during that time. The people of Israel was continuously getting oppressed by different nations at a time. Continually get by the Persians, by the Greeks. At this time, Rome was in charge. And the Israelites were constantly getting dominated. And they were always the minority. And here they are thinking, man, Jesus is the man. He is going to bring us to this political, crazy revolution. I don't know why I just did that. But, you know, some sort of power revolution. And he's going to save the day. And all the promises that we had about Israel coming out on top, this is going to be the man to do it. They put their hope in him. Now, when you imagine what it was like for them walking to Emmaus, you got to understand how upset they were. It wasn't a casual walk. They were disappointed. I can even just imagine their heads just in shame. I can't believe we even supported him. I'm confused. I mean, I know he was a good prophet, but but I thought he was going to be the one. I thought he was going to be the one. You know that disappointment actually can blind you? You ever think about that? Disappointment in other people can actually blind you. It says here that their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. Here are these two disciples. They're mad, disappointed. They're talking about Jesus, how he disappointed them, or how confused they were. What's going on? I mean, he was this great guy. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears, but they couldn't even recognize him. You think it, because, it was because Jesus changed a little bit? He had a little bit of a wardrobe change? He decided to mohawk his hair, you know, or shave his beard? I don't know. No, that's not the situation. Matt can come here tomorrow with the mohawk. I'll still know it's Matt. It wasn't the change of his appearance. It was their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, this is just my, what I wonder And I wonder if it was their own disappointment that kept them from even seeing who Jesus was. Their own hopelessness. Them walking in that defeat with their heads down, with confusion over their head, that they couldn't even see that what they hoped for 
actually happened. Here Jesus is, and he's walking beside them, and they're like expressing, expressing themselves to him. Were you not there? Can you imagine how stupid they felt afterwards when they realized it was Jesus? And I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> wow, I just talked to Jesus like that. Um, but still, they were there talking with Jesus, keeping it real with their disappointment, and they could not recognize him. And all of a sudden, he's like, you foolish people. Do you not believe the words that came out of the scriptures? And he began to just break down the scriptures. Break it down for them. And all of a sudden, Jesus pretends like he's going to go further. I love this scene. He's like, all right, all right, I'll see you later, guys. And just waiting, knowing that they're going to call him. And they're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. It's, we walked this far. I felt this deep connection. You should just stay with us tonight and, and have a meal, you know? And so he decides, to, oh, well, oh, okay. Decides to stay breaks bread, fellowships with them, all of a sudden, boom, their eyes were opened. They recognized Jesus, and like a second later, he vanishes. that awesome? I so want that to happen to me. It's like, Jesus, <gasps> where'd you go? <laughs> he appears, and then he vanishes. But here's the result of what happens. It says that their hearts started burning. They said to each other, man, when he started talking about all that stuff in the scriptures, did your heart burn like my heart was burning? The reason why we call this ministry Emmaus is because we meet a lot of people who are disappointed. A lot of people come here to run away from things that they don't want to deal with at home. I was one of those people. I was running away from a really abusive relationship. I was running away from my addiction to drugs. I wasn't just a pothead. I used to do all kinds of drugs that, you know, will, again, take too long to mention. I used to live an extremely promiscuous life. I put my hope in a lot of things, you guys. It's funny. We think that when we stop putting our hope in God, we're just hopeless. But the truth is you are putting your hope in something else. For me, when I got disappointed about what I saw in church, I decided, you know what? I'm going to put my hope in my friends. I'm going to put my hope in, no, I never put my hope in school. All right, that's, that's not true statement. I was going to say it, but I was like, no, I'll be lying up on here. I never. <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to put my hope in these drugs. I'm going to put my hope in this and that. I used to steal all the time. Because I used to think that that would fill a void that I had. I actually got arrested when I was a sophomore in high school. Uh, sophomore in college. I know me. Can you imagine? I know. It's like, no. Okay, some of you just not, not with me on that. Sophomore year of college, I got arrested for almost $900 worth of merchandise. $100 left, less of a felony. No one, I never got busted because I started stealing when I was in high school because I look like this. Who's going to look at the Asian girl? Shady. I was so shady. Finally, I got caught, though. I put my hope in satisfying the things that I, I was desperate to be satisfied in. 
And I was continually disappointed after disappointment, after disappointment, after disappointment. I graduated college barely. That's another story. Okay. I graduated college barely. And I looked at my life and I was like, I'm an idiot. What do I have to show for the past four years of my life? And I couldn't handle the pressure of stepping into the real world. And so I started freaking out. And I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to cope. And so I finally thought, okay, let me try God again. Because I, let me just try. I'm desperate. And I went to a retreat and I just found myself just getting blasted. But I just realized, man, after all this time, God still never gave up on me. Long story short, I found my way in Korea, but don't get me wrong, I was still running away. I thought if I moved countries, all the, all the dreams, all the feelings, all the things that I warred with in my mind, I thought that it would just come to a complete stop. You know, like I would check it at the airport, just like I would leave things behind. I was thinking to myself, I'm not packing those issues. But the moment I stepped into Korea, I realized, um, yeah, they're still with me. I was still dealing with them. It just came in different packages. And now I was dealing with different people, but it was the same issue. Same lack of trust. Same feeling of shame for who I used to be. My prayer for you is that while you're here this semester, while you're here for three years, while you're here for four, it doesn't really matter. But I pray that whatever road of disappointment you've been on, that you'll encounter Jesus. That those eyes that were covered because of just your hurt and your bitterness and your unforgiveness, that they would be opened. And all of a sudden you'll realize that the answer is right in front of you. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that you're not going to get disappointed again. You are. If you put your hope in people. If you put your hope in circumstances we make mistakes. We're bound to fail one another time after time. Even if we try our best being the greatest friend, your friend is going to make a mistake here and there. But I am telling you that if you put your hope in God, you can't be disappointed. You know, what the disciples thought was that Jesus was going to restore Israel. He was going to restore Israel. Now, I don't know what hope you were disappointed in recently, but something I want to say to you is sometimes God is not here to fulfill our expectation, but he's here to surpass them. We thought that Jesus was going to redeem Israel, but you know what really happened? He redeemed the ends of the earth. He did it his way, and not just Israel was restored, but I can stand here as a Korean-American and say that I'm completely new because of what Jesus Christ has done because he did it his way. I'm asking you today, before you continue this semester, lay it down. This is the one piece of advice that I'm going to challenge you with because at the end of this semester, the last thing I want you to say is, I should have got on board sooner. I get emails after emails from students who were able to lay it down towards the end. 
And they write me emails filled with thanksgiving and filled with regret. Because they just wish, they just threw out their unforgiveness. They threw out their issues. They threw out their fears from the beginning. That they could have seen that the whole time the answer was right in front of them. I'm not here to tell you I'm the answer. I'm here to tell you I'm going to make mistakes. But the person that I'm representing, he doesn't roll like that. He's perfect in all his ways. His thoughts, higher than our thoughts. His ways, higher than our ways. Man, if there's one thing I wish I could be to you, it's just a sign. Pointing to the one who's got all your answers. I want you to just bow your head with me. And I want you to just for a second, just be real. Listen, you're not talking to me. You're talking with God. Whether you believe in him or not, give it a shot. And just have a conversation. I want you to ask yourself, what's the thing that holds me back? Have you been disappointed by your friends? Have you been disappointed by your leaders? Is that holding you back today? I want you to just sit for a moment and think about that. Sarah, if you can get on the guitar, or if we can play music, either way. Just think about it. Just stay with me here. Keep focused, you guys. I believe God wants you to walk out of this room feeling lighter. I believe that he wants you to walk out of this room with your heart open wider. You got to understand that he wants the best for you. Sometimes we're just too disappointed. We're too hurt. We're too bitter to realize that some of the answers to your prayers are going to happen in this room this semester. I don't want you guys to miss it. And I don't want you to miss out. I want you to just take some time and I just want you to pray. Just a simple prayer. And say it in your own words. And I want you to just lay it down. If you know you feel something and you just have the hardest time laying it down, then I want your prayer to be, God, help me. God, help me. I don't want to walk in here a victim. I want to walk out of here more than a conqueror. But I need your help. Be honest with him.